0: Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast.
1: I'm having so much more fun now. I have let them show me how to live there.
0: this is mark arnold welcome to fun ideas podcast number 224 the fun ideas podcast is brought to you in part by freaky magazine i contribute material to every issue so give it a try hey kids have you read freaky the magazine of weird humor
2: for freaks like you Freaky Magazine is a way-out collection of weirdo comics, kooky gags, photo funnies, social satire, and surreal collage. 52 pages of insanity in the tradition of magazines of yore like Cracked, Plop, and Zap. Special offer for Fun Ideas listeners. Get a free sample copy in the mail. Made of smelly newsprint and smudgy ink the old-fashioned way. Just message your mailing address to the slow poisoner at gmail.com that's the slow poisoner at gmail.com
1: while supplies last
0: you
2: remember them from your childhood half for the friendly ghost richie rich hot stuff baby Huey, sad sack and little audrey you read them and comic books and saw them on television and in the movies. Now you can read about how they and other Harvey comic characters were created in two great books from Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions, The Best of Harveyville Fun Times and The Harvey Comic Companion. Both are available from Amazon. The Companion is also available from Fair Manor Media. They are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copies today. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself.
0: Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by PopOptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. The revised second edition of my Monkeys book with Michael A. Ventrella called Long Title, Stars of Walt Disney Productions, and Pac-Man, the first animated TV show based upon a video game, are my latest books out now. Unconditionally Mad, and Not Just Happy Together, The Turtles book, are in production. I'm also working on my TV cartoons the Time Forgot book, plus articles on cancelled Harvey titles, and making contributions to Freaky Magazine. On today's show, we have part two of my interview with Greg Airbar. So here we go. Well, I'm wondering if this, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think what kind of, I mean, we, you and I knew Roald Dahl from the books and everything, but I think what kind of made him more a household name is that TV movie where about uh, her stroke yep. and uh, how he took care of her and everything during all those years? You know, I think yeah. that kind of put him more into prominence through her, you know, right. and Glenda Jackson's performance. I forgot who played Roald Dahl in that one,
2: but uh, was, it, uh, was it Dirk Bogard or Anthony Hopkins? One of,
0: uh, I don't remember. I had to look it up. It's not important, but anyway. yeah.
2: <laughs> no but but it yeah that's true he wasn't he was not terribly well known and she was very very well known and so that was part of it but the little prince was directed by stanley donnan and lerner and Lowe wrote the score i mean not that leslie Burkis and anthony Newley weren't were any slouches but um <laughs> it was and bob fossey was in it and you know it was it just seemed like it was it, you knew more about that even though that movie was probably a much bigger uh i mean it sort of devastated learner and lowe because they thought and that was an odd strange movie um yeah. you know too i didn't that like was, it very
0: much you know i I, well, I remember seeing it because i liked gene wilder by that point and
2: i just was kind of you know <laughs> well it's it, it's heavy symbolism and and it's it's all symbolism it's it's it, it's really a stage play, and yeah. I saw it done as a stage play, not with the songs, but as and it works better on stage. Um, but I, I, the score is lovely, um, but I can't watch it anymore because even though I understand why he has to die to go to his planet, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling it, folks. Um, ever since I had a child, it's like I can't look at that scene anymore and hear that song and and the, right. the, the things that you know and and Richard Kylie is one of the most underrated uh, talents because he could do everything um, but he was very accessible he was on TV shows and stuff so I think he was kind of taken for granted he was one of those Broadway giants who played supporting roles on FBI you know mm-hmm. um, and that's it's like that today with some of the big Broadway people they're not in Hollywood they're guest stars but right. in, in Broadway they're big they're huge yeah. um but i but i yeah i, I think that was part of it. it it just sort of came and went um it it grew in stature and it really was the public that embraced it yeah. it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't through any promotion or anything
0: ironically i think the person who did the most promotion for it wasn't even in the film it was sammy davis jr by having a hit with candy <laughs> so you
1: know
2: and, and, and I wonder how many people when they first see that sequence and think two things, gee whiz, this gentleman doesn't sing it the way Sammy Davis did <laughs> really the way it was though. Sammy Davis, I think wanted to be in it. Oh yeah. Uh, but I, but I, that's the first kind of jolt, but the second thing, and Aubrey Woods is a terrific character actor. Yeah. Um, yeah. um. The, the other thing that kind of throws people is, is this from this because people are so used to you know the candy man was a huge hit yeah. and so it's not associated directly there's a lot of songs like that that aren't associated directly with right. a film yeah but they can't and Good example
0: i can think of is you'll never walk alone you know nobody thinks a carousel yeah. <laughs> you know you think of jerry lewis <laughs> telephone. If,
2: if any well, Vice. you know to yeah. me i well, edelweiss i thought isn't this some old folk song because it's on yeah. the fisher price you know yeah. toy player and and the uh, boogie woogie bugle boy you think yeah. must have just sang it because it was a hit no it was introduced in buck privates yeah so and and for, silver uh, bell drop kid yeah um,
0: uh, silver bells is on it and then well the other one that's in um sound of music uh that they use for commercials now for clariton a uh, few of my favorite things, you know? Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs>
2: Which is for some people a Christmas song.
0: Yeah. Or a Christmas uh, song. It's like, I don't associate it with either. It's sound of music, but then, yeah, you know.
2: Yeah. Sometimes that happens. So it, it's, it's interesting how time changes the perception of things. And it's always fun to speculate on how, what we see presently will be perceived. You know, I, I watch the, uh, Oh boy, are we going off subject? I watched the <laughs> the the Lost in Space movie finally not too long ago. And it wasn't terrible, it wasn't great. It wasn't as terrible as I thought it would be. Um I was disappointed that they didn't let Bill Mooney play the the role that of the guy who looked just like him yeah. in the movie. Um but I did think that the special effects were super dated. They were really nineties. Or minute a minute you go, oh, nineties or eighties. And so I <laughs> wonder if the effects, and I think we discussed this another time. You have to wonder if the if it isn't so much how, how good the effects are at the time, it's how good they're used. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, I mean, it, well, well, that'll get, be a good segue for Willy Wonka as far as uh we haven't really talked about the Johnny Depp one, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I yes. mean so just going by effects, not the story or anything else, do you think that uh, Charlie improved in any way over Willy Wonka?
2: Um, you know, I was reluctant to see it uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that I was attached to the original, and two is I thought it was going to creep me out a lot because I thought, okay, the, the book originally did creep me out, especially the especially the Violet Beauregard thing. Yeah. I mean, the fact that just you know, turns into a big roll ball. You know, big ball, rolled ball, rolled doll, mm-hmm. and and is filled with juice. I mean, from chewing gum. That's that's what to me the most disturbing thing in the book. That just that's like the finger and the woman turns into a cat. That's just too weird, mm-hmm. you know. And and so I thought if they're probably going to do some kind of CG thing with distortion, and it's just going to be so. And I don't want that in my head. As it turns. <laughs> Um, there were things about it that I thought what, what bugged me was they marketed it as this is much closer to the original book. Yeah. No, actually it was not.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, there were differences and there were similarities. They, they did include the story about the Prince with the chocolate castle. And, uh, they had to explain cause movies have to explain now, you know, where the Oompa came from. And he did, he did explain it in the movie. Um, but not in as much detail. Yeah. Um, the whole dentist thing was not in the book. No. Uh, uh what was added was the ending, and this was a good use of CG because we wanted to see what happened to these, these kids after when they went into the world. And in the in the in the Gene Wilder version, oh, they're fine. You know, they're yeah. back to their miserable selves because they didn't learn anything. In a way, that's more like real life, because do people learn or do they not? You know, that's a good question. It was sort of open-ended. In this version, we saw that they were forever distorted. And the, and it also kind of messed up. Their, their parents were as messed up as them as they were in the original. Because it was, it was as much of a satire of bad parenting
1: <laughs> than,
2: than it was of, of anything else. And so you had the, the supermom who was pushing Violet. And suddenly, or was it? Was it her? I think, or whatever. She was embarrassed by her, which was heartbreaking. Yeah, her mother rejected her.
1: Mm -hmm. You know
2: that she wasn't perfect anymore. I think that was Violet. It may have been. uh, uh, I'm pretty sure. So, so that part I thought we added an interesting dimension. um, That there was a there was a spoof of "It's a Small World" Mm -hmm. in it, which was amusing. And my my uh, I I liked when he said good morning Starshine, the air says hello. Uh, my son thought the line about um, <laughs> capitalism is frowned upon in certain cultures. The, there was a lot of funny lines. I can't figure out why Johnny Depp was wearing Kay Ballard's mother's-in-law hairstyle.
0: <laughs> You're the first person who made that comparison. I like that, you know
2: first, first I thought was it looked it looked real nice on Kay. I mean it's, yeah. it's okay for him. It's it's a nice look, you know. Uh,
0: they should put that theme music while he when he walks in. Dun,
2: dun, <laughs> dun, dun,
0: dun, dun.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it but it was it was um it was surprisingly not weird enough. I was yeah. like, I, yeah. I think it to go, it's Tim Burton. Let's go nuts. It's Roald Dahl and Tim Burton. So, and I, and I thought it was, it was, you know, it wasn't, I didn't dislike it. Um, I just don't think it was as memorable, large, and, and you cannot, you know, even though the the original was deliberately not filmed like a traditional musical because they didn't have the money and they also didn't want the big scene singing in the street, you know, golden was that's why Anthony Newley, you know, he wanted that, but yeah. th- he deliberately made the songs so- contained. Um right. and and in a way that also helped the original film because there's a lot of people who don't like or don't understand the way musicals are, especially a couple of generations that didn't grow up with them and think it's weird when yeah. people break songs. So even though this has the songs in it 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 works and i don't particularly like it when people say oh i always skip cheer up charlie it's an important song and it's there for a reason and that's what music that's the most probably the most musical thing because see there's my my thing again switch the channel fast forward it's there for a reason
0: it's just like over the rainbow in wizard of oz you could say that's a slow draggy song it just happens to tell the whole plot of the movie or well, the this premise one. of it or whatever. You know, she's having oh. aspirations and dreams of something better than living on some farm in Kansas. So well, in black it, that, and white. <laughs>
2: or, there was a contingent you know. that wanted to take part of the world out of Little Mermaid because yeah. in the tests, the kids were, were jiggling and wiggling a little bit because it was a song. And, and that was beautifully staged because things were going on during her singing with with Sebastian reacting and yeah. stuff it was really important but they were thinking of cutting it you know and that's Ariel's signature song so that kind of thing happens uh yeah. but I think missing the songs was was a part of it um you know what my favorite scene in the whole movie was <laughs> it was one gag where it's the flashback to the young to the young uh Willy Wonka uh it was Freddie Highmore I think but no it was Charlie Maybe it was. I don't remember now. I haven't seen it in a while. And he's and it, they did one of those montages where he's seeing the sites and they have these flags going by, and you think he's visited all these countries, uh-huh. and he's just in a museum with a bunch of flags. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and I, I just thought that was I, that was the big belly laugh for me. You yeah. know, I that was a clever scene. I don't know that makes a movie, but I thought that was very because they were making fun of a cliche. You know.
0: I didn't want yeah. to be like those people that just dismiss it out of hand. So I did. I have seen it exactly once. So I and I paid really close attention when I watched it. I didn't see it in the theater. I waited until it came out on video, and I I checked. I remember my dad says, "You don't want to watch Charlotte and the Chocolate Factory." And I go, "No, but I should see it." So I can't be sitting there going, "Oh, this stinks!" Without having, you know, and you know, there are moments in it I didn't like it, you know, because of what you said. That, you know, they tried to make it more like the book. But then they had that whole sequence with Christopher Lee. Now, I love Christopher Lee, but yeah, no, that's not in the book. So that should be it. And uh, I liked it that they went to the squirrels instead of the geese, like in the book. But that part of me is like, so what? You know, it didn't really do anything other than it's closer than the book. You know, uh, yeah. So that was a disappointment that I didn't expect. Like you said, you know, if Tim Burton is you know, using his Tim Burton style and all this weird stuff so it supposed to happen, it, it kind of came up kind of uh, short on that end, which is kind of surprising in a weird way. Um, and then, of course, the, the big elephant in the room for me and everybody else, and I'll say it, you know, uh, Johnny Depp, not only with uh, uh, the wig, uh, he just looked like a pedophile. It just looked creepy as hell. And I wish that he looked more like Jack Sparrow mm. as Willy Wonka because in the original books of the drawings, and he a little tuft of a beard and mustache yeah. and maybe not act so drunk, but you know, he could have just done basically the same character as Jack Sparrow, and I probably would have enjoyed Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, you know, a few times better. I don't know about a zillion yeah. times, but you know, and that was my big about it, the the creepy factor. That wasn't supposed to be intentional.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I yeah, I didn't, you know, this this is actually the first time I've 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 heard that his performance made people think that, you know, but it's true. There is a his creepiness is different than Gene Wilder's, um, you know, I don't suffer fools and I'm not gonna suffer you and I'm going to sass right back to you with some obtuse quote or something to shut you up. Yeah. But I'm in charge here. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to necessarily, you know, uh, uh, call you out during this tour. But I'm going to say something that makes no sense, or I'm going to slightly embarrass you because you've said something so stupid, or something like that. He, Gene Wilder never comes across as a, it comes across as somebody who's about to go mad because it's Gene Wilder. But in some ways, he doesn't seem as threatening. As Johnny Depp does in in hindsight, thinking about that, and then thinking about, you know, he started this whole procession of this these Kabuki like, you know, and not, that's not fair to compare it to Kabuki. So scratch that. But could the makeup, the white makeup, the yeah. the 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 dazed and confused, you know, floating through the the the, the clouds on. Um, um, And that's a that's a character kind of thing because the Mad Hatter was like that, yeah. Um, um, And I didn't dislike his performance of the Mad Hatter. It was it became a Johnny Depp uh, 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 copyright more. You know, (laughs) I like
0: his Mad Hatter better than his uh, well
2: his Mad Hatter. There was something lovable and childlike and sweet about Mad Hatter, which I thought was a touch because the wonderland characters you know traditionally aren't all that nice no. so he was and even in the sequel which i didn't dislike the in looking glass um there was he, he made the character compassionate but it was that he's that's all he started to do after a while was the the, the pale dazed thing and um yeah. I, I that is that is yeah i can see now my wife god bless her said uh we can watch both, but I want the kids to see the original first, so that's the one that yeah. they think of as the original. And yeah. like you, I don't think you've ever watched the remake again, um, not for any other reason, but why? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's just... And I do, I do believe, had that been the original, it would be not as well remembered, not as well regarded. It would be just another odd kids' fantasy yeah. movie.
0: And it, for it, me, it, it would be just another Tim tim burton misfire you know because <laughs> tim burton's done some great films and then yes. he's done some films and this one isn't the worst he's ever done it's, it's not but it's far from the best so
2: no it's very hard with a remake of something that's that people have grown so attached to yeah. um and, and it, it, it's uh and he had an opportunity to make it his own because he's tim burton and i that's where i feel like it didn't it didn't quote, go right and the same thing with johnny depp he could have created an entirely new character and yet it was the johnny depp being you know what he started doing after a while which just seemed like a go-to weren't his barnabas collins was like that too yeah it, it was it, there they were becoming very <laughs> you know uh it, it it wasn't it wasn't like he, he was he who would amaze you with some new aspect of something and i don't think it it was here it was like he's in it cuz he's a big star yeah. But not you know not not for any reason and, um and and it was missing the songs i'm sorry but
0: yeah well, i mean they did have songs but they were different songs and just not well good,
2: so. they were the poems they took that's where they were saying they were being more more faithful they were taking roald dahl's poem and, and which was cool, certainly was cool. And doing all these effects and stuff. Willy Wonka is dated because of that that screen treatment, that electric company, you know, Sesame Street screen treatment. But nobody really cares because it's not in it all the way through. Um, it's only in that one sequence. And it, it also has the, you know, the film was, I guess, died. And, and you know, to make the little, little things going over the, you know, it's 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 not a miraculous effect right. but it works and it's it it's all it needed here they spent several million dollars um and that's where you know where was the how much of that was johnny depp's and tim burton's and yeah <laughs> just the special effects of having the oompa Loompas all played by one person
0: yeah the only thing I say positive about that is that you know, like meeting Paris Themen at a show. I met Deep Roy at a show and got his autograph and he's a very delightful person. And he's you know you know, and you know, I asked him a few questions about it, you know, and he says, you know, it was a challenge, you know, just playing every part, you know, but that's what he was set up to do. So, you know.
2: And that was a touch, you know, having that that was what you know, that was uh, you know, and the thing about the Oompa Loompas is speaking of of things that are uh problematic. I always think of Reverend Mother on Flying Nun. She takes off her glasses and she folds her hands on the blotter. <laughs> you know, that's problematic. Yeah. You know. What have I done now, Reverend Mother? Yeah. Sister, um, the book the Umpalumpas were not politically correct in the original book i remember the illustrations yeah uh, don't i don't have the original book but those illustrations were changed
0: yeah i have the original book as little uh, pygmies and then they turned into hippies after the movie came out and i have that version
1: and
0: yeah. and then uh, they had a completely different artist somewhere along the line do it again and uh, yes, they're more kind of like in the vein of the hippies, kind of flower children type, you know, in that version too. Uh, the Quentin Blake one or whatever is yeah, the artist his, there. Quentin Blake yeah.
2: became his signature artist. After
0: yeah. A while. And then, yeah, he started drawing for all the Roll doll books. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the British version. Uh, it has different artists, which I don't know. The, the um, Pygmies look just like African natives. They don't even look like they're short or anything. They just look like slaves. Mm-hmm. It's really kinda of creepy on the very first edition. I don't have one, but I've seen it online and I go, Wow. wow. <laughs> I think I they've since that. all been replaced by you know the Quentin Blake one. But you know, uh, you know, it's like I would love to get a copy of that one, but I think it's quite a few hundred dollars because it's a very rare out of print book now, the original mm-hmm. Charlie British version. So
2: so, everything is spelt with O U R, you know, color yeah. and, and that kind of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, that brings up that whole point of the controversy about six months ago where they were updating the Royal doll books yeah. um, to change things. And it's it's a question of degrees and how severe the changes are, I think, more than whether they need to be done um those i think those were all overruled because in england i think because of the the devotion to roald dahl though even in england his flaws are known you yeah. know and he wasn't he wasn't exactly mr mr uh, diversity tolerance loving everyone either um so i don't think he would have had a problem with the original book um yeah. but you do have to revise things within within reason um just like there's a british version with things spelled one there's a british version of the harry potter books too you can listen right. to the the ones with uh brian uh, um what's his the um the the guy who worked with uh hugh laurie he's terrific and i can't think of his name
0: well, I, all i'm thinking is jim dale who did the them and fry, no,
2: yeah. fry the gr- he's yeah. great oh. Stephen Fry reads them in the british version jim dale my goodness, how he kept those voices significant. I thought I know we're getting off it again, but I thought and with one of the movies, I liked his read better than the movie yeah. because I he conjured up characters and I was thinking of that character. So when I saw the movie, it kind of like ruined it for me right. <laughs> That's how good he was. Yeah. But, but the the Harry Potter books are different because of phrasing and and turns of phrases and things like that you when you see a british movie on tcm put on the the, the closed captioning whoever's typing out the captioning they don't understand the phrases because they get them wrong you know i've i kind of know a little bit about it because i've listened to a lot of albums and watch a lot of british shows and stuff but it's different so to say that it's completely sacrosanct you know even the bible gets changed um church yeah. prayer gets changed Uh, to a degree, it's understandable. And I will give the example of Mary Poppins because I remember reading the Mary Poppins with the compass and when they went to the South and it was, you know, P.L. Travers, good Lord, not the nicest lady in the world and not the most (laughs) enlightened world. So that was, so I can understand with some classics, the way they were wrote leave it alone because it, it went back to a period, but when it's a mainstream classic that is still being read again as a new thing. Yeah. Especially kids, um, young kids, you do have to give some thought to that. I, I understand, I, I understand the idea, the decisions made and the changes I'm a writer. So whenever okay. I would get chance, so are you, whenever you get the changes back, it's like you would hope that you can defend what you what you wrote and right. explain, and then come to a compromise. And sometimes say, "I get what you're saying, I'll change it," or they'll say, "I get what you're saying, don't change it." Yeah. You know. Um, I, I just
0: wish when they change things, and I don't know about these newer role doll books, just have a disclaimer saying we've uh, edited this book since the original version. That's all I ask. You know. <laughs> that actually.
2: Um, yeah, that would be, they should do that. Abridged abridged, or, re, yeah, revised.
0: And, you know, going off on a tangent again, you know, a few couple, three years ago when they pulled all those Dr. Seuss books out of print, you know, I, I think they kind of, you know, should have just left them in print, just made a few art changes or, you know, and just made a few adjustments. But I think the reality on those books is they weren't the top sellers, you know. So they, they, didn't, they didn't pull out... Uh, Green Eggs and Ham. They didn't pull out Cat in the Hat. They didn't, you know. They still published those. Although they did make an art uh, choice difference on Green Eggs and Ham that nobody knows about, unless you have an original version, a later version. On the original version on Green Eggs and Ham, the guy stooping over the plate kind of has a frowny face, like mm, you know. And on newer versions, uh, they kind of remove the frown, so it's more inquisitive. So he looks like he's just quizzical about more than actually frowning at it. And that's a big significant change that nobody talks about, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like, at first I didn't even notice it until somebody pointed it out. And then I was looking at the covers. Oh my God, they changed it. And, you know, it doesn't say anything about being changed. Nobody talked about it in the news, you know, they just did it, you know, and that I think bothers me more than if you change something and say, this has been altered from the original version, you know, Mm -hmm. that little disclaimer. I love disclaimers on things. So at least I'm aware that somebody's been meddling with it.
2: You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. well, I wrote a lot of advertising with disclaimers and and um, actually even worked a disclaimer uh, into into a song for one for one radio spot, which I was very proud of. Restrictions apply. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I used to say, why don't we just say may not be so and just be done with it instead of putting all of these conditions and saying may not be so so that we're covered no matter what we say. <laughs> yeah. None of this may be true. Because, <laughs> um, But I agree with you. I think that um, it's a hard it's a very hard thing to go with when you've got when you're dealing with something that is it has to do with who the target is and that kind of thing. Warner has it pretty well worked out. To a degree because they have an archive department and they have tcm and then they have their mainstream and jerry beck has explained this many times there are there are properties and titles that fall under the collector and then the rest that fall under the general and family the 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 target uh, store department store titles and they overlap because now like the popeyes they put those Popeyes on on Blu-ray and they were the same Popeyes and it's so kind of surprising that they did and but they and the Tex Avery's, I mean they're not as bad and they're, but they're still questionable they, they, you know the 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 objectification and all of those things you know but they
0: did it, put disclaimers on those not but they,
2: of- are, they are for collectors the The Looney Tune sets have a disclaimer. these are aimed at collectors. And do not miss. and then the, the famous Whoopi quote, you know, at the yeah. beginning, which I mean that of, used
0: to bother it actually used to bother me that they had the disclaimers. And then I said and then I changed my opinion completely because I said if they didn't put the disclaimer, they wouldn't be putting it out at all, or they put it out heavily
2: censored. Exactly. So you exactly. Know. And there are titles on Disney Plus and they have a disclaimer first. So they're not putting everything. Uh they're just putting a disclaimer on and it you know, we told our kids, you you don't say that. You just yeah. don't. You know, this is this is, I don't care when this was, it wasn't, you know, like Whoopi. It was wrong then and it's wrong now.
1: Yeah.
2: Don't don't yeah. even you know, no, this is a but you explain it. Well, maybe the disclaimer invites the the explanation, and that's fine. But to to completely remove it is is a whole other story. Find a place where it can go and be accessed where you know those who can see it but they not every company has that opportunity and and it's 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 another that's a bigger question for for us to answer here but yeah. I try to be I, I the reason I bring that up is because there was a big uproar and you know there were people starting to call each other names on Facebook and stuff and it was it's not new the books have been revised yeah. this is not new
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, One that just popped in my head is Eloise. Um, I have the original version that has, uh, you know what I like? Grass. And it was later changed to Dandelions. It's not a minor change, but, you know, it's like everybody thinks grass is marijuana nowadays. They didn't then, or didn't think so strongly about it, you know. And, uh, you know, it's a subtle change. Um, I don't like it that they changed it again without a disclaimer on it, but, you know, at least... The Book's still in print out there, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you're uh savvy like me, you go, I want that original version now, <laughs> that was well,
1: uncensored.
2: And know? you, yeah, you, you could seek that out. But the thing is, wouldn't it be a shame if children didn't grow up knowing about and loving Eloise stories? You know, I would, yeah. if that's the payoff, hey, yeah, I'd rather, yeah. wasn't an And, and the worst
0: censor on those is uh, Kate Thompson. Pulled them all out of circulation except for the first book for about thirty years, you know, until she passed yeah. away. So that was probably the worst crime, is she pulled them out of circulation for no reason other than she didn't like. Them, you know. Or, yeah.
2: <laughs> so oh, and that too. A lot of times, you know, because of behind the scenes legal issues, um, uh, estates, um, copyrights, all kind of music rights. That's the biggest one. Yeah. Things things don't get seen anymore, and they lose a couple of generations so yeah. that that there it isn't it isn't mainstream anymore it isn't as known anymore and that's kind of sad yeah. anyway um let, Laying let, it back we, to
0: willy wonka I, well willy wonka, uh,
2: um i uh was delighted to i did get to meet the the kids when they were all with us and one oompa loompa uh who is also in harry potter he was uh, the banker is that and,
1: rusty uh, the
2: go. rusty go uh, yeah very nice. They were all very pleasant. Um, I thought I thought uh, Paris Famine was very personable, real yeah. easy to do. So was so was Peter Ostrom. I mean, they were just easy to talk to. And, and probably the sweetest and nicest person of all was Julie Don Cole.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, well, she could her book.
1: I'll give a plug for her book. She really yeah, like,
2: I want it now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she looks, how she looks today. <laughs> or close.
2: She was, she was <laughs> just delightful, you know, and, and, uh and, and Denise Nickerson, her, her heritage of, of, you know, of boomer stuff, baby boomer stuff is huge because she was not only in this, but she was on Dark Shadows right. and she was one of the short circus on Electric Company, all in the, and she was on the Brady Bunch when there were two Peters, yep. you know, <laughs> the the, the nerdy peter who had and then he had the split you know you go dance with denise nickerson Mm -hmm. um and and i'll go over here and that that was yeah so it was like she was in quite a few things and she was discovered um at a play at the coconut grove playhouse in miami in coral gables in the coral gables area and that led to her uh i believe that's how she got on i think it was dark Shadows. Either Electric Company or Dark Shadows first. I think she left. She did to Dark go...
0: Shadows first, yeah. Because she was yeah. really young. She's like six or something. But she, she was, was
2: Amy. Yeah. yeah. The turn of the screw episodes. Yeah. With with the telephone. Where where Quentin didn't talk and Beth didn't talk for months, probably got paid less because they didn't have speaking roles. <laughs> <laughs> That's a yeah. whole discussion. Dark Shadows, please don't get me started, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um so I I, I know I first saw her in Willy Walker and then I saw her right afterwards on Electric Company because I think she was on the second year, you know. She won- which yeah, you know, the the first year had Irene Kara. Yeah. Well, strangely enough you know and then she left and i think she was her replacement if i remember correctly you know so you know it's like okay another person
2: <laughs> yeah he's not on the cast album that and, was the and
0: unfortunately they're both gone now and they both died too young so you
2: know. i know you know the 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 so many of these 70s people That you associate so closely to it, it's like you didn't think they'd go away. Gilda Radner, I still can't get over because she seems like the kind of person. Well, I mean, if
0: you make it into your 80s or 90s, you can kind of say, you know, it's like, you know, I, I think that's kind of happening now, you know, when people in, like, say, Star Wars dive, you know, they go, oh my God, you know, but it's like, you got to remember that film's like almost 50 years old, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, in the case of uh, some of these people dying young, you know, and the film's not that old yet. You know, now, now Willy Wonka's over 50 years old, but you
2: know, it's like, you know, it's just
0: uh, a few more years. Come on. <laughs> you
1: know? It's like,
2: yeah. you know, um, a couple of other interesting things about it that I've found um, was the fact that it was shot in Munich in this uh, little studio. And cabaret was shot right after to the point where they were like just just finishing Willy Wonka and they were starting to to revamp the sets and stuff for Cabaret.
1: Yeah.
2: And then that that I wouldn't even say it's so bad, it's good. It's just so disappointing. The the Drew Barrymore A Babes in Toyland TV movie, that was filmed there. Hmm. And they still
0: film things there? I don't even know.
2: I I don't know, but I think some of the uh, some I don't know if any elements of it are left. Okay. But I have to wonder again because it's owned by a great big company. Is there some theme park attraction somewhere on Earth in some land where there's a theme park where they they've got a Willy Wonka something? Because it's just so begging for a ride.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Warner Brothers used to be affiliated with uh, Great America when it was Marriott's Great America way back when, but they've yeah. long since abandoned that. Uh, so I don't know if is Warner still involved with Six Flags at this point. I mean, that would be the logical place to put it if they're if they're still involved with that, but maybe they have money problems or something. I don't know.
2: <laughs> oh well, Warner Warner does because they they're they they're. Uh they just laid off a whole of those TCM people. And um, a lot of these big media companies are, are having to do having to cut it was COVID. It was a lot of things, but in the case of Warner, I think they've been uh, they've been bought out three times in the last five years.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so it's, it's a reorg. another one reorg after another reorg. And, and so they're, they're different divisions or it's, it's anybody's guess. And it's anybody's guess if that happens again. So, you know, yeah. we it, it uh, it's it's uh, it's a changing, changing landscape. But Willy Wonka will all, as I said, and as I, am really paraphrasing what Jerry said. The good stuff lasts, yeah. and the if you don't, if you don't like the sequel or the remake or the 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 uh, reimagining or you know the the TV show based on the original is not going anywhere. And if it if it has merit it's never going to, but yeah. the good stuff lasts. Um,
0: I wanted to say one more thing. I know we hey, hey, that was a nice closure, but like, I got to finish something. I was like, it popped in my head and then it popped out. You mentioned, uh, Cabaret being shot uh, right afterwards. It's kind of interesting and ironic since Joel Gray was originally considered yeah. to be Willy Wonka. And then he ends up there playing in Cabaret. Of course he had already done it on stage, but still, you know, um, it would and have been Joel interesting it, had he done both productions, they would have been back to back in the same studio there.
2: <laughs> Yeah, isn't that something? And and Joel Gray physically um kind of looked like the illustration, the original illustration. That's why when they picked Gene Wilder, I was like, if they're not they're not going for resemblance here. Yeah. And I, I didn't know his his range and what he could do at the time. So I just thought it was an interesting and odd choice. Um, but I was a kid too. Oh, I just want to mention Gene Wilder. The crazier he gets, and the longer the film goes on, the crazier his hair gets. Oh yeah,
0: I've no always noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> it's very slick back and everything and tidy at the beginning of the movie, and then by the end, it's black. <laughs> yeah, my right. wife, my wife has similar hair, and so uh, I will say sometimes when she's slept, funny, and her hair is like that. And I said, "You got the Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka here going on."
1: <laughs> yeah, and she laughs. She loves him. Yeah, really. anyway.
2: yeah. It's, right. it's it's funny what what endures uh, and um, what what gets passed along, and this is just one of them that that does. It, it's uh, I think it's part of the reason is because it says a lot, uh, and 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 it has it resonates and it's a cool story you know you by the time they go into the factory you're even if you've seen it you're dying to go back yeah you know and and so i
0: should ask you that what's your favorite scene that is my favorite scene when they open it up and show the factory but
2: (laughs) oh yeah yeah i i i i do like that i do i think that that's beautiful um I, I love the song. I actually wanted to use that song for a Disney spot. Wanted to use the Michael Feinstein version. Or at least uh, use the, do it in the way he did it on the album, Pure Imagination. Because he, he sings the second verse, which mm-hmm. isn't sung in the movie. And it fits Walt Disney World. And so that was the first, um, the first choice. And we came pretty close. And then it ends up that somebody else ended up using it years later and it's funny because one when i presented it one of the comments was well that's not a disney movie and i'm thinking you know star wars really originally wasn't either you know a lot of Indiana jones now (laughs) yeah let's (laughs) not i said the the public isn't gonna mind all that much i think and and excuse me but baroque hoedown is not a disney and it was and it's in the Main Street Electrical Parade we had songs in the parade at Christmas from Scrooge and on stage so that so that wasn't the reason they they uh I don't remember what the reason was but I ended up making up a song
1: yeah. that,
2: that that they used and it was like oh I <laughs> use the one I made up that, <laughs> that you know wasn't as good as pure imagination though that's a that's one of my dad's favorites yeah and and Walter Scharf we should also, not hardly anyone mentions walter scharf and you know he makes that arrangement with a little tinkle in there and walter scharf also gave us the arrangements for mr magoo's christmas carol which uh have a lot to do with the emotional impact the way he uses the strings and stuff uh he also did funny girl and uh journey back to oz and then he go, his career goes all the way back to like early Hollywood, not early Hollywood, Golden Age Hollywood. The Martin and Lewis show, uh, a lot of radio shows. So Walter Scharf and and the Willy Wonka score was nominated for an Oscar along with Ben Numb's Broomsticks. But I think James Williams may have that may have been maybe his first Oscar was was for Fiddler. That was actually a pretty cool year for musicals. Nobody thinks yeah. of. 70
0: I know, but kid. yeah, uh, they're my all my favorites. I love. People yeah, on the roof, and I I do love uh, bed knobs and sticks and things like that. Um, sure. Do you? Since you're a collector of all this stuff, um, do you have the seven inch single with picture sleeve of Pure Imagination?
2: I no, no, I don't. Of of, okay. of of the Gene Wilder version? Yeah, it's
0: the it's the single off the soundtrack, and it has a picture sleeve. It's the same picture that's on the movie poster and everything, but it's rarer than hen's to find this silly thing. I thought of uh, all people who have rare records and everything like that you'd have it but i mean i've seen it for sale but it's always like a thousand bucks or something crazy like that it's like no, eh, no okay.
2: i don't have that um what i can point out is that there uh, anthony newly recorded the demos for willy wonka and they are on a cd now and if you have the golden records version of the songs Um, they are the almost the exact same arrangements and the golden records version side one is, is all of, I think there's six songs from it. And that's done by uh, the Rita Williams singers. It doesn't credit them, but those were actually when golden was doing a lot of British stuff. Uh, And so they're, they're kind of an interesting, and the interesting thing about that is that I want it now, which closes side one, there's other, There's other verses in that. (laughs) I want to ride in a fine crystal carriage. I want each day to be spring. And when the time comes to think about marriage, I want a king. You know, that wasn't in the movie.
0: Now now it makes me wonder, um, uh, Primus, the group Primus did a a salute to Lily Wonka and did covers of a lot of those songs. I'm wondering, now if I go listen to it again, if they did the other verses too or not.
2: The 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 open of the golden album has the the opening verse to um Candyman, I can't stop eating sweets, all those wonderful Willy Wonka treats. You can keep the other with me, I'm a wonkerer. When it comes to candy, Willie's the conqueror. And then it goes into who can take a sunrise. Hmm. So a lot of times these are written, and it's also for sheet music and things like that. These are written with verses. Um, and they just don't end up in the movie. Lots of movie songs have, uh, and some TV themes have. Other, I love finding that kind of stuff do out. You, like, do you think like, it,
0: oh. uh, uh, it might have been shot? Like, uh, you know,
2: you no, know, it 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 could have been because when Bill goes, "Who can take a sunrise?" that's a cut. So it's okay. conceivable that it was it's it's conceivable you know when he begins it it's right on the cut um uh, yeah, interesting now,
0: so have you seen any outtakes from this film i mean other than you know they show behind the scenes footage but i've never seen any you know you know goofs and flubs like you typically see are those like gone or missing or they just were so perfect they did just- perfect every first day.
2: <laughs> I imagine if there are I do know just based on those books that the it was a it was a very modestly made film yeah. you know the money went into the chocolate room building the boat um some of the locations and all but if you look at it scene by scene it's a modestly made film still yeah. feels like a movie it doesn't feel like a TV movie
1: yeah
0: but it seems like there's got to be a scene where like one of them cracked up at something or you know, Probably. I forgot my line or something, but I've never seen anything like that. You know, maybe they were one take Charlie's. <laughs> you know? well,
2: I don't know. There were children. So there had yeah. to have been some 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 moments like that. But I don't know. Or, that or like
0: know. a special <laughs> effect gone wrong. You know, like that one scene where uh, Paris is Mike TV is thrown back, you know, and he's yeah. eating the exploding gum. And, you know, they might. have. Oh, I know an outtake. Actually, I do know a, a real one. It's actually mentioned in. Uh, Mel Stewart's book is the one where uh, Mike TV's dad says, "Not tell your twelve son." Apparently, that guy couldn't get the one line out, and so there was like thirty takes of him. <laughs> "Not tell your twelve son," "Not tell your 12. Until <laughs> he got it right. Yeah, you know. So that's in the book. That's so, but I've never seen that footage, so I don't know if they destroyed it or it's well, in Paramount's I- vault because they didn't bother handing it over to Warner's or what. What happens to stuff like that? Do you know?
2: <laughs> I. You know, for years, Jackie Gleason said the live Honeymooners were gone forever and he had them in the vault all the time. So (laughs) you never know what really exists or doesn't. But based on the economy of the film and, you know, that it came and went and that it wasn't, if they did have them, it's unlikely, you know, and maybe with Walper because Walper made it. And that was the other thing is Mel Stewart was was a director of Cousteau specials. So this was an unusual project for them so they knew how to shoot uh a lot of things with economy so if there are outtakes there they may exist but it's probably not tons of them and they didn't save them you know jerry lewis saved everything um the Get Smart has loads of, of outtakes because it was a thing to show if they want you know it was a matter of saving them because there was some kind of a use at the end of the season or they just it wasn't it wasn't the thing it became yeah. so it's possible I guess that- for
0: kids films yeah definitely you know since it's considered like they you know they did save Star Trek bloopers but for like the cast party I guess and then well, they, got, they went around like- the circuit you know the fan club circuit and everything
2: Mary Poppins has a few, um, just a few with the with a slate in it, and there's one with um, Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke lip syncing Chim Chim Cheree, but they're singing each other's songs. Oh, I've seen that one. But, yeah, yeah so there, there are some things like that, but not a whole lot. Um, so, but who knows? You know, they if they want to sell a new uh, 3D version or something, they, they'll probably trot out
0: something. I um, have to ask a question which has nothing to do with this film, but it's a 1971 film and we have talked about it already. Right? Ben and Ones Room 6, I have to ask this because you oh. might actually know. Yeah. Disney has been notorious for keeping everything for years. And when they tried to restore that film to its full length, they couldn't find everything and they had to recreate things and use photos like uh, the Judy Garland Star is Born and kind of create a, a, a sort of... Full version, you know. How come Disney didn't keep this? <laughs> what was wrong with them that year?
2: <laughs> well, um, f- first of all, there's this is not to say that it may still exist in some box somewhere because Disney's um, uh, the amount of stuff Disney has from from all of those days is enormous and is in various places. So it still could exist; it's just not found. It could be misfiled. You know, a lot of times they'll find the can that says this, and it, it's it's that, or it's not exclude. Ex, you know, it's not explained well enough. Um, but the most one of the most pivotal reasons why is because they didn't even have an archive until 1970 when Dave Smith started it, and he proved that they needed it. So there's no tell, and that was only 71, yeah. and he was you know, one guy and maybe, you know, a staff of a couple of people and there's more material than there are people to do it, though there should be more people to do it even now, because now they have uh, 20th Century Fox material and all the ABC material and all they've got everything there. So it's always the case of um, uh, uncovering, uh, digging through, sorting, filing, finding a way to tabulate what they've got and stuff like that it could exist but it has a lot to do with the fact that they they save the animation in the in the morgue you know uh where they save the animation sheets and stuff and uh the music some of the music pieces but everything absolutely everything still there's still things remaining to be seen um so it's possible those exist but Again, Bednams, it was Bednams wasn't the the disappointment that that Willy Wonka was at the time, but it wasn't Mary Poppins. Right. And it wasn't Mary Poppins. And Walt Disney wasn't with us anymore. And that made a difference. So, you know, they cut it, whereas Walt Disney might have said, I don't care what you say. I'm not cutting the movie. Yes, yeah. that's, that's I mean, no one had that veto power anymore. To do it things were done by committee because sure. so, I think
0: isn't the happiest millionaire which Walt did still work on even though he passed away yeah. before it came out uh, But he, they, they did find all that footage I think you know restored it as far as I know
2: soundtrack not not the they found the the it won't be long so in fact Stacia Martin found that uh, and the soundtrack to the song exists with them singing but the dialogue is, is redone oh. so, you know in that sequence it's so d- well done, you can't Yeah, tell. I
0: didn't know. I thought it was. You know, yeah. like, it, like even on Bedknobs and Broomsticks, like, they couldn't get Roddy McDowell. I think he passed or something. So they had somebody else dub it in. And it's like, it doesn't sound like it. I'm like, eh, yeah <laughs> I think is. with AI, you could probably do it now. You know, it's like, anyway.
2: Maybe. Maybe <laughs> yeah. you could. It, mm. it. One of the reasons I think that when they put it on Blu-ray, besides the fact that you can kind of tell those sequences don't, quite match they're also not fully color corrected and i mean they're corrected as much as they can be but they're probably not high res and to to make to bring them up to that standard maybe they can maybe they can't and if they can it probably would be expensive. so they pretty much just reissued the the uh the film as it was released in 71 thank goodness they didn't release the one from 79 because that's when that's when i took my my parents and i think my brother and and his wife (laughs) this is one of the best movies and i love this movie and almost every song was gone except yeah. <laughs> and beautiful brian and it's <laughs> like uh, this that was and it said revised edition tiny type on the poster who knew it was going to be revised negatively Yeah, you know so so that was, i was very disappointed when they did that but it's the one I remember is the one that's on Blu-ray and that's kind of the reason. I think the reason they, cause people were upset. Why didn't they put the entire film? Cause it does feel different when you don't see the entire uh, movie and get all that extra dialogue that was in the novelization. It was in the Whitman book. Yeah, A lot was in there. That's, that's not in the film and the whole with a flare with Milt Larson, who we just lost, he's much more prominent in the outtakes. And that, well, What ended up being the outtakes. So, you know, it, it's a shame that those kind of decisions were made. But that was that reflects where Disney was at the time. Uh, I think Bedknobs Broomsticks uh, kind of reflects the the what would Walt have done, you know, but we're not going to do it anyway because Walt, <laughs> uh, we're not Walt. And too too many people in a room too many people with a say you know this is what happens when that happens and the shermans were not in didn't have the same um uh pecking order at the studio after walt left um because
0: well wasn't that their last film for disney for quite some time yeah because yeah. they went on to do snoopy come home and charlotte's web and tom sawyer i'm well, trying to think of the other things that were all for other studios so
2: yeah. <laughs> they, they had pretty much I, I can't I think they may have come back to do Bedknobs I think they had yeah I, I think they
0: came they, back at that time too because yeah they did Chitty Chitty Bang Bang before and yeah. uh, something but else were, it seems like
2: there were going to be other musicals and never got made they were planning other things and yeah. they never made and it was it was a tough time for the Shermans you know one of the things I learned in interviewing some of the Sherman uh, youths um, was that when they went to Hanna Barbera for Charlotte's Web? It was nice because they were treated different. They were treated kind of like they were invited in the collaborative process. They were. It was a wonderful experience for them because things weren't the same at Disney anymore.
1: Right. So.
2: You know, there here they were adding songs, not just not just inserting them. They were in the story process, obviously, because the songs are in a very important place, and they were very personal songs. But that's a whole other different discussion, because yeah. it's one of my favorite <laughs> favorite uh, movies is that
1: which one that or...
2: Well, it's well or both. Web. Are, yeah, but Charlotte's Web is probably that's that's you know I don't care how what the limits of the animation was I wouldn't change a thing. You know, yeah, I would, I would, uh, restore it and make a, it looks really nice now, but I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, somebody once said, oh, if they just take the soundtrack and just reanimate it, don't touch it. Yeah. Don't I love, No, I always
0: I, liked it. I always liked Charlotte's web, how it looks, you know, it's like, you know, I, I was shocked, you know, I was only six years old, but I was shocked that it came from Hanna-Barbera because I didn't think <laughs> Hanna-Barbera could animate anything in full animation. I just was convinced they oh. could not do it, you know, <laughs> Yes.
2: And the, the miraculous thing about it is they were almost i think that was one of the peaks of them being busy yeah you know and they still managed to put this together that yeah. that's what they still did something of this so it was like that's the way i always felt it's like when they got the chance they could do some really wonderful things it's just the time and money and the projects and the the pressures of network whims and the pressure groups and the sponsors and the fact that they didn't own the company after 67 yeah. they were you know they were answering to taft yeah. there was a lot you know they were not disney they were a different kind of company but they were they did some really wonderful stuff and uh and and stuff despite all of the pressures and limitations that and Margrock episode of the flintstones mark Evanier yeah. said that they that had to be first in the se- in the season because the the oh boy are we going off story here <laughs> um, because it had to it had they wanted it for the season opener so they could publicize it and it was way down in the program you know the the listish so they had to accelerate the making of that what a great and memorable episode everybody who knows the Flintstones knows the Anne Margrock episode and there are still like well it doesn't always be- well you know I would the fact that they turn that thing out like yeah. yeah and they would do that and then they would be expected to continue to do that right. and i've been in that situation where it's like now go twice as fast yeah and then you perform this miracle and 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 then then down the line the production people we're going to ask you to do it again because now you did it right <laughs> so it's no 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 yeah. that was a special case but yeah that's that, it is it, kind of
0: sad after uh, Charlotte's Web, you know, that you'd think that they'd try to do more theatricals. I mean, they did eventually do Heidi's song, but there was a long gap and they yeah. instead churned out a lot more Saturday morning material. It seems like if they kind of reeled that back in, they could have gotten a better theatrical.
2: Uh, it was, hold. it was uh, the 70s was a, was a, was a very, you know, the seventies was a very difficult time for the animation industry it really really was the fact yeah. that they could get a feature out at all you know you didn't have very many of them and, and there were few and far between and even disney you know they were doing so many disney was putting out the classics a lot that's the thing is they were the classics were still viable and still being reissued yeah. and a new one was pretty rare you only had robin hood well you had aristocats 70 but you basically had robin hood and rescuers right and and like- and then classics in between.
0: Yeah. And then you got their hybrids, which is Bed knives of Rose Six and Pete's Dragon. And, Pete and then a reissue, which is the Winnie the Pooh one, many adventures of Winnie the right. Pooh. So.
2: so they were they were um they had that library and they had the brand and you know Hanna Barbera had their their main thing was they they wanted to keep the doors open. They wanted to keep keep it going. They wanted to keep people employed. And and they made cartoons. So it's like you, you, you. And so the, there wasn't, they it wasn't like there was that choice of let's do something. You know, we, they got the opportunity to do Charlotte's Web. It wasn't like they, 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 um, they said, oh, we've got to, you know, they wanted to do more features just like Filmation did. Yeah. Um, And Filmation did Journey Back to Oz, but that really was a 62 feature right. that they had working on and until archie hit they couldn't finish it so that was almost the history of filmation in one movie so yeah. none of the studios was able to to do features and by the the mid-70s it was near impossible because the, the the industry and the the public didn't it just wasn't there um and it, it's 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 just a it's just circumstance you know charlotte's web is supposed well that's a, again another thing but there's a whole history of the where charlotte's web was going to be and it ended up with hannah barbera but barbara still had to do what walt did with pl travers he still had to meet eb white you know and still had to convince him you know it was it was still a sales pitch and to yeah. get his approval um but they did not originally set out to make it it was going to be um uh, um at least two other studios i know for sure that gene deitch was one of them hmm. Um, But yeah, but it was, it was not, so things just sort of happen. They they just sort of happen. I am sure that they would have loved to do, and I even at the time was thinking, gee, you know, they could probably pull off some features. I think that the closest they came in their minds is when they got the Australian studio, they were doing the, they took over the Kenner specials Mm -hmm. and started doing Black Beauty and uh, Gulliver and a few uh, of those serious kind of things, those literature things and they weren't like charlotte's web but they were at an attempt to do you know cyrano was was pretty good you yeah. know that attempt to, lasted the curlews they wanted to at least once in a while try to reach a little higher um that was it was a struggle because you know, <laughs> you know it, it always is with the studio you got prestige products and you have stuff that brings in money so that's yeah. why i just you know like it yeah. It shouldn't just be dismissed with it It doesn't move good, you know. <laughs> Paul Winkle didn't move good, but it's one of the greatest. Right, right, right. <laughs> um,
0: bringing it all back to Willy Wonka again, I just a uh, quick question. I I guess you know, you know, you've already said it was a flop, you know, or a flop enough the original film, you know, when it first came out. So there was never talk or consideration to make The Great Glass Elevator into a sequel film or anything like that, to your knowledge?
2: I You know, I've never, ever heard of any I, I'm sure there must have been, and I think there may have been I would think even maybe the BBC did something, at least on radio with it but I've never heard of anything of it, just the yeah. book on the, the book read and stuff the second book is almost like willy wonka the series you know if it became a yeah. uh, a program because it's two adventures yeah. and and charlie doesn't have a whole lot to do and it's so it's like the grandparents and the the youth pills it's it's like it's like it w- if it was a tv show kind of yeah. yeah and then meeting the president and the president is 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 kind of a, a nut who invents you know, things and he has a cat named Mrs. Puss. And so it, it it it's like two episodes in the Willy Wonka show, you know. Um I I don't know why it was never adapted. Maybe, and again this is a maybe, I know that Roald Dahl pretty much hated the Gene Wilder version, um, mostly because of what David Seltzer added. He he loathed the end line. You know, he didn't like sentimentality um, yeah. you know, books. So he but he he also hated the the witches. Yeah. He hated the witches so much that he was going to publicly denounce it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's I think in Jim Henson's book. Uh, and he, he was talked out of doing that. But he he authors E.B. White didn't like Charlotte's Web and his wife didn't either. He didn't want it to be a musical. You know, he wanted it to have Mozart in it and stuff. Authors are so close to their books, and I can understand that, yeah. but but you can't, it's not the same. A film isn't the same uh, as as a book, and it's, and there's a lot of people. I, know. That. I always thought,
0: Charlotte's it was pretty darn close, save to the songs. I know. I mean, it's like lines of dialogue are just lifted right, right I mean, from the book, you know, and it's like, you can't it, get it, much closer than that unless you had Garth Williams doing your animation. You <laughs> know, it's like, you yeah. know.
2: <laughs> I, th- I I get the feeling when I read some of this stuff that they they cherry picked the comment and wondered and I wondered if there was anything positive that he or his wife had to say because he, this guy being a writer I mean maybe they didn't know movies very well and didn't see a lot of movies but very few movies are verbatim and Charlotte's Web is almost verbatim out of the book except for the the psychiatrist chapter almost every. Fern has changed a little bit, she softened a little bit. Um, yeah. but most of it is identical, and that's Earl Hamner, because he loved working on that. Yeah. And 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 the song, but he didn't want it to be a musical and it had the you know the the chorus line of chickens. Um so I think if if he did feel that way, maybe he was focusing too much on the songs. Yeah. but the songs, you know, taking the songs out, same thing as Willy Wonka. The songs are part Of the heart and soul, yeah, but when it's your book, it's hard to imagine how that feels, you know. Um, so
0: you have to tell these people you should have written a longer book. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> well, I, <laughs> going back to yeah. Harry Potter, well, you know, it's none of those are musicals, so it's like, <laughs> no, but the book's there going, yeah,
2: she had already become powerful, yeah, um, and. So there was no way she wasn't going to get complete and total control over those movies. In fact, I remember when the first one came out, the Chris Columbus directed it. And some of the criticism was it's it's like slavishly um, close to the book. Yeah. And and, um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that has to do with the fact that he wasn't the only director. J.K. Rowling was. So, you know, that authors usually don't get that kind of influence over over a film. Um and it's it, you know it's it's something you, when you when you write a book you live with it. It becomes part of you.
0: Um it, it's kind of funny going back to Willy Wonka then um, you know Royal Dahl at least was allowed to write the screenplay in the first place, you know, but yeah, apparently you're... couldn't do it well enough <laughs> to Mel Stewart's or everybody's satisfaction
2: from what I know. <laughs> from well from what I know about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, that was the case too. I don't know about the Bond film. But I know with Chitty, that, that script was, that's why it says Earl Dahl and Ken Hughes. And God knows if there were other writers, but there was supposed to be an, an actual Hushabye Mountain that opened up with yeah. a Magic Kingdom inside or whatever. There was a whole lot more, a There's lot. All the things. James Bond films,
0: you know, except maybe, I don't know, I can't even think of the exception. All of them are like totally off the book. Maybe Honor Majesty's Secret Service might come closest to the book. I don't know. I could be wrong about that, too. Because I haven't read all of them, and it's been years. So,
2: yeah, <laughs> I get the feeling from the from the way from from those films is that he was a he was a good storyteller. He wrote short stories. He wrote he wrote um, children's stories. He didn't really write novels. You know, I don't know that he ever. I mean, he wrote novels for young people, but he never wrote a novel. Novel. So, writing something like a screenplay, it takes a whole different style of writing. Yeah and and also screenplays are frequently rewritten yeah. usually anonymously so uh you know and somebody like him who was um uh, uh uh he could you know be uh quite he was quite a character that's usually what you say he was quite a character yes he could he could be uh um uh peppery uh, i guess you could say <laughs> uh, I, it's hard to imagine him liking any version of any of his books i mean i know when charlie came out and when james and john peach came out we were being assured uh that that by the the surviving doll family that he would have loved it he would have loved it but you know that's like colonel Klink saying i assure you there's been no escape from stalag 13 <laughs> you know so you know okay. that that But I thought I now there's another. I love James and Giant Peach, and the my only issue is they didn't promote it at all. It's like that those issues where somebody made the decision of, let's just not promote this much because I would love to see that get embraced because it's it's a lovely film.
0: I actually like it better than Nightmare Before Christmas, so it's like you know even though I I, like that film too.
2: (laughs) Maybe someday we'll find out why that is why why it just. Cause it's wonderful, you yeah. know, and it has enough of the bizarre to be Roldal, and yet it yeah. ha- and that was his first book. It was probably his nicest book because mm-hmm. it 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 isn't as you know the the characters that he meets are very nice to him and helpful to him, and they become friends. And mm-hmm. you know, it has a it has a positive ending. It, mm-hmm. I just was I thought it was really wonderful. I had a little, couple of little little songs in it you know and mm-hmm. and it's it's like where did it go and why why does that happen right why well uh,
0: let's kind of wrap this up we've been talking a long time and jumped all over the place but um there's a new con- Wonka movie coming out <laughs> uh, are you anticipating it or what? <laughs> my dog's getting restless look at this anyway oh, um,
1: that <laughs> funny watch.
0: what anyway um <laughs> the new Wonka film uh, do you have any thoughts about it or are you looking forward to it or
2: is this the now let me see if i can keep track there was going to be a timothy chalamet one with I young mr so. is yeah, that this one
0: that's what i think it is yeah
2: okay you know I, I don't i don't know I, you know i just watched as a matter of fact speaking of him i just watched the french dispatch the Wes anderson film and he was in that yeah. Um, and he's an interesting actor, you know, a quirky actor. So he would he would fit quirky. So it would be interesting seeing him in that role. It's just a matter of um, uh, it's going to be have to be a complete, you know, it isn't Great Class Elevator. It's, I guess, a prequel or yeah. something.
0: Yeah, like, you know, which always fills me with dread because a lot of times, you know, everybody seems to love origin stories except for me. Like, I really don't care how Darth Vader got to be evil. He's just evil. You know, it's like that. You know, even in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, they had to go back to his childhood and see a psychiatrist, how he became what he was. I don't care. He just is. He is Willy Wonka. You know, it's
1: like,
0: like, I don't care how the Grinch became the Grinch. You know, I don't care. You know, it's like he, he was born the Grinch. He was born a full grown adult Grinch.
2: Yeah. You know. <laughs> here's what, Here's another example. How did the private eye become Inch High? Was he always? <laughs> is, is his name is Inch High? <laughs> there he just is. Everybody has no problem with that, doggy. And he solved crime. You know. I mean, even and Bass told you how the thumb got to be because he. You know, but no, you're, worked, you're wait a minute, he worked, he you probably know. did work
0: for some. Wait
2: a minute,
1: <laughs> you know, Tom he just H-U-M-B. is.
2: <laughs> anyway, all right, <laughs> now we're really going well, one, one. I want to give you one more, you know, origin okay. thing. My son uh grew up loving the Paddington stories. Oh, yeah. And there's a couple of great uh, animated versions. Hanna-Barbera did one in the 80s. But there's also two British ones that are quite nice. One is stop motion. Really nice. And that's the one he watched. And he was upset. The movie wasn't bad, you know, with Hugh Bonneville. But what both them was, they had to explain why he could talk. And, you know, he just can. They go, they find a bear, he can talk. How did Top Cat learn to talk? To Dibble. Did Dibble go find it? Yeah. You know. Please don't do a story about how Top Cat learned to talk. Yeah, you that know,
0: that'll be the next thing. Or how did all these Hanna <laughs> Barbera cartoon characters find uh, collars and neckties? Yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'll hand, I'll give this much to the Yogi Bear feature, which I finally watched, and it wasn't that bad. Nobody, there was no. You gave your Ranger Smith's backstory a little bit. He yeah. was a, you know, but not a ton, but there was no, where did Yogi come from? Where did he meet Boo Boo? You know, there was none of that kind of like, let's explain why Yogi can talk and, and all of that. Um, maybe that was why it wasn't successful. I don't know. Um, I, my theory with those films based on established TV shows and stuff, if the show isn't on while the movie's being released, it hurts it. Yeah, And when the first Flintstones movie came out, they were blitzing on Cartoon Network. They were they were running Flintstones constantly. Right. When the second one came out, not so much. When Rocky and Bowwinkle came out, you really couldn't find the show.
1: Yeah. You
2: know, unless you've got the support of that, oh, let's go see the movie because we love watching it on TV. Why do people go to the Simpsons movie? Why do the people go to the SpongeBob movie? You know, yeah. it's everywhere. You know. Yeah. So I mean, that's wow. not another- a Hard and fast rule, but um, that has a lot to do with it. You, you know, it, people want to see it. anyway. Yeah, I, so I just
0: like the monkeys. I mean, the, once their show went off the air, they stopped well, having hit records. So it's like, you know, same with the
2: weak, Same, apathetic.
1: Yeah.
2: You, you, you have to have the show on, which is why part of the reasons that I think they, that The Simpsons is that if The Simpsons wasn't on in primetime on Sunday nights, you know, where everybody's used to seeing it. The merchandise and the you know the brand, would, there would be a, a percentage lost. Mm. The show sells the stuff. I mean, it just does. It's 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 on, and if it wasn't on, it wouldn't be in the public mindset. It's like it's like having having Johnny Carson every night or having you know now John we've lost Johnny Carson. He was ubiquitous. Same with Regis Philbin. He was ubiquitous. You know, and then it's like how much Regis Philbin merchandise is selling now. <laughs> I miss Regis. I, I he was a. I, we'll talk sometime about Regis. He was very okay. nice. All right. Like okay. Jerry, he was nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Well, Dougie has to go. I think so. That probably means we got to wrap this up. Uh, I guess uh, I'll ask you this about yourself, and you can do a little plug, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, you mentioned one book you're working on, I have Barbera. Are you working on any other things that you can discuss and?
2: Um, working on things I can't discuss, um, but I but that's the main thing. That's the main thing I'm working on is, um, and that'll be out uh, early next year. It's um, it's called Hanna Barbera: The Recorded History, from the Modern Stone Age to Meddling Kids. Oh, cool. it tells the the story of Hanna Barbera all the way back in the uh, you know from the the early days of their partnership all the way up to the tom and jerry movie in uh 2021 so it goes from tom and jerry to tom and jerry told through, <laughs> told through the lens of their recordings because oh. very very it's an area of hannah Barbera. i mean i've had i was surprised how much wasn't all put in one book when i started writing it yeah uh, and so the material i found and learned it's like wow i gotta put this in i'm still finding things i mean the no. books at the here, and i'm still finding things but um the the area that is least known about them is that they were making records based on their properties almost from the beginning yeah. and there's still stuff coming out including the soundtrack to Scoob, two soundtracks to Scoob, yeah. and one for tom and jerry so they're still a viable brand as far as audio goes but that's the area I know really well, and and I have it's going to have the full discography um as much as I can find because I'm still learning. You know, it's like oh, like you mentioned the Willy Wonka single. It's like, you know, I still find stuff on eBay. Ooh, I got to put that in. You know, singles so, are
0: always the weirdest things. You know, it's like, like, you, like think, you know
2: those are the know, like a
0: Banana Splits album. Isn't that enough? No, they had a bunch of singles. You know, it's like, Cat <laughs> cats had a single.
1: You know, it's like.
0: Yeah. And
2: there are some of their singles. I haven't found um, the, the, especially the, the very last ones they did, but I have all their albums um, from their label and uh, and it's a just their label alone would have been a book, but I thought, yeah. well, that's a little too, that's, that's too obscure,
1: yeah.
2: but it's a cool story, but let's just do everything from right. um, beginning to end. And so Involves a lot of interesting people and a lot of interviews, and I'm very, very, very excited about it because I love those records. And, and I, who, who, who's publishing it? uh University Press of Mississippi, same as Mouse Tracks, the oh, Walt cool. Disney. Okay. Mouse Tracks was about an area of the company again that people didn't know about, but most people knew the story of Walt Disney and his brother and all that stuff. Yeah. Hanna Barbera story is has been largely obscured over the years. Um, I mean there's the two biographies but most of the books have been beautiful books with some history in them there hasn't been yeah. really a, a book that just tells the story right um and that's a cool story because as we discussed they're a um they were innovative they did some astonishingly great stuff at mgm um that isn't talked about enough and they did innovate create and give entertain the entertainment industry things that they're still using There wouldn't really be simpsons i think you could ask anyone connected with the simpsons and say without the flintstones there wouldn't have been the simpsons and the the stars were aligned perfect for the simpsons and that's why it's still on but you know that that's a whole other discussion too why is the simpsons still on Mm -hmm. and why did it stay on you know right the network television changed and television changed and where like they had to go to Saturday morning where you have to go where the demand is. So that's kind of what happened to them. Um, but it's it's fascinating and it's a lot of great people. Um, it's a lot of talented people. I mean, you when you look at the you see when people are showing artwork on Facebook, some of the artists are still with us or oh. sons, daughters of the artists and they'll post like backgrounds and stuff you take for granted because it goes by on the screen and all, you know, or just just watching some of the Blu-rays, the space goes Blu-ray. I mean, some of that art is now when you see it in the colors it's supposed to be in, you know, it's like, wow, this looks really nice. (laughs) You know, it, uh, it, it was, it was, it was a substantial contributor to, to our culture.
1: All right. Well,
0: Thank you, Greg, uh, for being on my show again. And uh, if you want to reach out to talk to you uh, about Willy Wonka or Anna Barbera or anything else about movie music or anything else, uh, how do people get in contact with you?
2: Well, I have a website, uh, GregAribar.com or GregOVision.com. <laughs> you can reach me there. Um, and uh, and I'm also on Facebook So you can also either, uh, if, if you're not a friend, um, you can always message and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. So, um, please, uh, please stop by.
0: All right. Well, uh, thank you again, Greg Airbar for being my special guest on Fun Ideas Podcast, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Greg Airbar for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 225 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner, Goldfarb, and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night.